Hello, Village. You're listening to Heal, Grow, Thrive, the podcast hosted by Forward Promise. If you don't know us, we're social change advocates focused on reclaiming the humanity of boys and young men of color and supporting the villages that nurture them. In our podcast, we'll talk with direct service practitioners, young people, researchers, and leaders in philanthropy, offering a deeper understanding of both the issues facing boys and young men of color and quality solutions for their healing, growing, and thriving. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to an important episode in our series, highlighting the voices of our grantees, fellows, and other stakeholders, and how they are pivoting their work in the face of this COVID-19 outbreak. We work with some phenomenal people who are fully committed to ensuring that boys and young men of color and their villages successfully emerge on the other side of this. This pandemic is exposing the disproportionate struggle faced by communities of color that is and always has been rooted in a history of dehumanization, racism, and colonization. These factors make boys and young men of color and their villages more vulnerable to illness, violence, and financial ruin. So we're dedicating these first episodes to sharing the issues and the solutions they've developed. We invite you to be thinking about sharing, and doing what you can to ensure that boys and young men of color heal, grow, and thrive, both during this crisis and beyond. Hello and welcome. I am Dr. Howard Stevenson, co-director of Forward Promise, a national program of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Like many in our audience, the Forward Promise Village of grantees, fellows, and national advisors have been deeply engaged in responding to the multi-layered crisis created by the COVID-19 pandemic. Communities served by our Forward Promise grantees are some of the most vulnerable populations who have been hit hard by this crisis, perhaps none more so than our Native American brothers and sisters. In this conversation, we wanna shine a light not only on the impact COVID-19 has had on their community, but also how their organizations are responding. And so with me today is Anpal Dutta Flying Earth, co-founder and executive director for the Native American Community Academy or NACA in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He is also the co-founder and executive director of the NACA Inspired Schools Network. Duta grew up on the Standing Rock Reservation in rural South Dakota and North Dakota. He is of the Lakota, Dakota, Ojibwe, and Akimel Autumn tribes. And we're so happy that you're with us today, Duta. Thank you very much. So I wanted to start out with some questions and um, in particular, the first is really, what impact has the COVID-19 pandemic had on the community and populations that your organization serves? Yeah, really good question. And um, just wanna echo that I'm fortunate to be having this talk with you too. And definitely thank you to, your, to the organization, the Forward Promise, Robert Wood Johnson for the support and in the in the rapid response that that we've been doing to our communities um right now we're seeing that our communities are disproportionately affected affected by the sickness both in the number of cases um the latest number according to the new mexico department of health is that 56 percent of the positive um covid19 cases are native american um mm. of which we are 10 to 11% of the population. So 
um, much of, of this is due um, to the number of the cases rising on the Navajo Nation and, and some of our pueblos. Um, so the, the impacts that we're really seeing um, is that our families um, are having you know, a tough time accessing education opportunities that we're providing through our, through our schools, through our networks, because they're trying to just meet the basic needs of, of everyday life, whether that be food, supplies, access to healthcare. And as a result of, of the impact, the economic impact that we've seen, um, we're, we're, we're seeing that a lot of our families have, have lost their jobs. We've seen a lot of our families are actually the ones on the front lines as the essential workers, either like um, as, as the builders, as the cleaners, as the distributors of, of some of these food and supplies. And so we're seeing a large, large impact. And I will mention that part of, part of our response is to, is to figure out who else on our team or who else in our network of partners is is experiencing something similar. So I just got off of a call with our partner, the New Mexico Dream Team, um, in which we've partnered together to meet the needs of Native American and undocumented uh, families and community, of which are the hardest hit in New Mexico. So um, yeah. yeah, Dr. Stevenson, that the question is is one that is, is really um, prompting us to dig deep of where do we find the hope, resilience, power, agency, and choice in this moment, and how mm -hmm. will we respond? And so our response has been threefold. Uh, one, how do we get some, some, um, some stipends, some payments out to families? Two, how do we um, do give the response um, in the form of food? And then three, what sort of supplies do families need? Everything from cleaning supplies to um, access to clothes, access to um, um, healthcare. Um, and then maybe like 3B is, is the, is what resources in our community are available right now. So, you know, like um, tomorrow, um, one of our health clinics is gonna, is gonna offer uh, 400 tests and so we've specifically outreached to our community in Albuquerque to, to take advantage of that. So that's a little bit of what we're doing. Well, I mean, thank you, brother. I mean, frankly, when you describe that, that rate of 55, 56% compared to 11% of the population, that's one of the higher ratios, even among communities of color that I've been hearing about across the country. And so, um, and again, I don't think with all the talk about racial disparities, no one in the public view is talking about this very directly about the differences within racial groups, uh, among racial groups. Um, how, how have you had to change, if at all, the work internally with your staff or how you provide the services? You, you've hinted at it a little bit already, but um, you know, have you had to do any things internally differently? Yeah. The connection with families has probably been the one that we've had to think through. What does it look like now? So our schools are really using their advisory structures, teacher structures as a form of outreach to social, emotional uh, wellness and well-being. And also just making sure that we're, we're connected, that we're being a good relative in the network. And uh, so um, 
I think that that has really been an emphasis in terms of like, how do we make sure that we're still connected? How do we make sure that we know um, that our families know we're here? The the other one is is really kind of the the special sauce of who we are, and that is uh, an education entity that's dedicated towards indigenous education, and it's really like the the basis on not an either or model of either culture or academics, but a but a all of it and um, mm-hmm. and, and holistic wellness kind of piece. And, you know, to be quite honest, there's been a, a bit of a challenge for all of our schools. And now that, you know, we've released the continuous learning plan um, for students to be able to access online modules for learning. How do we maintain that same sort of cultural relevance and, and nuance of our curriculum? Um, which is, you know, it's been a challenge for sure. And how do we make sure that it's not just some sort of one size fits all um, mm-hmm. access to a, to a curriculum plan? And that may, and um, because that's really been part of the flagship of, of what we've built over the past 15 years um, is that our families and students have access to culturally relevant, responsive, and excellent uh, curriculum. So we are, you know, kind of going back to the drawing board on it. And I think we've thought of it in multi-levels of that there's an additive approach of enriching curriculum with content that is more relevant. There's Mm -hmm. also, if we move up the stages of multicultural or indigenous education, we want to get to the actual transformational level. Um, That will require really kind of um, the agents of change being being the the students by way of families. And that, um, that, you know, so we are committed to thinking that through and it's a challenge right now. And so our teachers yeah. are, are, are back to the drawing board on that of like, what does it look like if and when we launch into a school year that may not um, be available to meet in person? So um, stay tuned to what we're gonna produce, but we're gonna spend the next few months figuring that out. Wonderful. I know, I know you all have done a wonderful job also uh, of trying to measure the benefits of the curriculum and the work you're doing. Do you see the new ideas and the new planning for your teachers related to thinking intergenerationally in a particular way? Are there ways in which you've had to adjust, you know, since, since there's less issue, there are issues around social distancing, does it throw off cultural rituals or, or mm-hmm. other forms of, of, of and the basic values you've had for your for your work for so long yeah um that's a that's an excellent question it, it takes me to two different ways or maybe not different but it, it makes me think of two things one is um it has made us take a step back in terms of what are those processes processes and protocols and traditions in the community um, that had to be put on pause. So actually, a lot of our Pueblo relatives um, here in the state have had to pause on their dances and their feasts, mm. um, of which are celebrating, you know, deities and saints and in, in their in their belief. And um, we're having to think, you know, if I think about back home and our network schools in South Dakota, our network fellows in South Dakota, we're having to rethink. Um, you know, some of our summer traditions and summer protocols. Um, is it safe to gather? Um, mm-hmm. Is it safe? And 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 then if not, what's available um, per individual and per family? So the the second thought, and maybe a little bit related to that, is is um, my uncle is recently telling a story on Facebook Live, and my uncle's maybe 
in his mid sixties right now. And um, he told a story of of the my great grandmother. My great grandmother's name was Eva Flyingerth, and um, she was a she was a nurse. Um, I'm not totally clear on whether or not she was a nurse during the 1918 pandemic, but the story, as he told it, was that our family was affected and that he, she was the sole survivor of our mm. family. And it made me think that if not for her, I wouldn't be here. Wow. And um, something that she did, the resilience, the power that she held, um, made it possible for me to to be sitting here talking with you. And that um, how will how will I also leave a legacy for my as an ancestor to the future generations in which they can think back that uh, hopefully you know that I'm not the sole survivor of our family, but that it's part of the narrative of of, of who I am and connection to my community. And so I think there is there is some power and agency to be to be taken and to be gathered from our stories. That this is though this is unprecedented in our own in our lifetime that our ancestors have gone through similar things and uh, have have gone through pandemics and sicknesses and um, epidemics um, and we're still here right we yeah. we are um, we're here in the present and we have been for a long time and so how do we how do we draw upon those those um, our own history as a point of resilience, as a point of perseverance, as a point of responsibility, quite honestly. So um, yeah. that, you know, we're really thinking of that and and moving forward, what is it going to look like to to um, help our community heal, but uh, and also to use our history and resiliency as a point of pivot and power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I just feel I get strength from hearing that story just as you tell it. Um, my goodness. Um, if you think about now, more people talk, they might not know the specifics, but it's been pointed out to them that uh, this COVID-19 has revealed these structural uh, disparities regarding colonialism and, and racism. Uh, they're kind of stark right now. Have you, how have you seen these kind of disparities play out uh, in your work? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's kind of like the victim narrative that exists, right? Like, um, and it, and it's hard to, it's hard to kind of, um, to, to ignore it. I mean, even in the number, it's hard to not think of our communities as, as a victim when you're thinking about fifty percent, fifty six percent of the cases. Mm -hmm. And if we add in our, our Hispanic and Latino relatives, we're looking at. 77% of the cases in New Mexico are impacting our community communities. Um, and so um, I think, you know, like you, we wonder, is there a predisposition towards the sickness? And in some cases, uh, some of our political figures have come out and made statements that have been a little controversial to that, to that end. And um, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that there's a predisposition according to our own genetic makeup towards a certain sickness. I do think there is a systemic inequalities and equities that is, have existed for generations that are contributing to the apprehension towards some of our systems and institutions like healthcare and treatment um, and wellness. And I think that that is a contributor to it. There's also, um, I think, Part of it is is um, where where do we have access 
to some of the opportunities that would that would uh, enable our, our the safety of our families. And I think, um, you know, when when as a community we're facing um, such factors of homelessness and um, access, you know, or inaccess to quality uh, food and, and quality healthcare, you can't help to think that those are contributing factors to why our community might be experiencing um, disproportionate rates. You also think about the, the whole structure of, of colonialism as it ties to reservations. As some, you know, like reservations are essentially, um, they're, they're, they could be seen as concentration camps in, in the sense that there are, there are borders to that. And at one point in our history in the late 1800s, um, we were literally round round up and put on these plots of land and um, you know I, I think I think there's something to be said about about the, the physical um, architecture of reservations the physical kind of planning and structure of reservations um, that that are that are in, some, in part contributing to to the to the rates of spread right and um, and also like the 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 same sort of um, same sort of numbers. There was a there was a youth that went uh, live on I think Instagram or TikTok, and it was comparing the Navajo Nation to to West Virginia because they're comparable size, and the number of, of grocery stores, hospitals, and jails um, is pretty appalling, right? And so even just comparing to a state like West Virginia, um, you see that there are far fewer number of of hospitals and, and grocery stores and and um, there are more structures of uh, justice structures of, of um, jails and, and detention centers uh, things like that so those those are those those jump out in my mind and and I can't help but think that you know that it that this time is exacerbating some of some of that um, and I'm always moved to focus on well, where does the power lie in that same sort of frame, and where does where does our strength lie, and that's where I dig deep into the stories of my own family. All right. Thank you. Um, do you see any um, potential for opportunities, given the knowledge of these kind of disparities, for the future or even for the near term? Yeah. I mean, I hear a few of my friends talking about the new normal, or or not going back to the former normal um, and I and I as a school leader and as a nonprofit leader I'm asking myself um, what is the iteration or what is the evolution of of the work look like and um, I can't help but think there is there is some power in our in digging deep into our own stories of of articulating what is this actually going to look like moving forward so as it plays out in schools um, how do we think about self-sustainability or resilience in, in the structure of, of, of lessons, right? And, um, mm -hmm. There have been a number of families and communities that have gone back to self-sustaining lifestyles. And so what does it look like to have a relationship with the land? I don't think that always means that you're living off the grid in the mountains, um, only relying on solar power. But I think it means something like... Um, in your backyard or in a part of your home, are you growing some of the things that you can eat? And so, and then what is the genius of that sort of discipline, right? Like to, 
to understand the relationship that you have with plants and to also understand the medicinal properties and the mm-hmm. and the d- nutrition behind it like how can you gather some power and some like genius from that and so i think there's there's a lot right like there's a lot of like these self-sustaining practices that we can start to think about that are breaking down the structures that are creating some of these inequities and actually allowing us to, to step in as individu- individuals, families, and communities into a place that we've always known um, mm-hmm. and it's in our history. Yeah, beautiful. I appreciate that. And and I think if, you're, if we targeted, because some of our work together is around how you serve boys and young men of color, and you think about the pandemic, what do you think is needed now to serve that particular group? Yeah, I've thought a lot about this just because, you know, I, at one point I was a I was a boy and uh, I like to think of myself as a man now. And I think, you know, like our structures that I that I grew up with, I was fortunate to be raised back on the reservation. And I say fortunate because that's our land base, um, even amongst the critiques that I just said about like, are these constant are these like in essence concentration camps? but but it's our land base, right? Like the connection to our land. And um, I was raised differently than my mom and my grandma who were, my mom was raised in LA and my grandmother um, was born in Idaho and they were products of relocation and boarding schools. And they made a conscious decision to bring me back. And I think that um, some of the structures that I've realized is that our young men and boys need a multi-tiered approach. And I think now more than ever. And so, um, some of our traditional indigenous structures were one in which there was physical activity teamed with social emotional release. The social emotional release primarily primarily existed as dialogue and, and, and uh, oratory. Mm-hmm. Um, the physical release, you know, I think um, that's well evidenced in terms of, uh, you know, getting, you know, like the, the running and um, the actual, like the fitness that one had to, to embody in order to be considered passing through different right you know rights within their life and um i think the one that has been um largely non-existent uh for you know and, and certainly for me has been been the permission the forum and the ability to for the emotional release and i think now in this time in this stay at home or um, uh, kind of shelter in place orders that we have a lot of us as boys, young men, and men are, are looking in a mirror at ourselves. And how do we how do we emphasize the social, emotional wellness and well-being in this time that is also allowing for their release? And um, I think that's a major need. And you know, I, I know with our team on the NACA side and on the NISN side, we're thinking about like what are those needs that that we can help think through in a, in a divergent way, like through through like um, similar town halls or similar type of huddle structures through online platforms or even how what does the mindfulness look like in this time and moment and, and urging folks to in essence call their spirit back from projecting into their computer and be present in the here and now and to actually sit on some land if it's available and, yeah. and to be and be in and be in self and to ground ground yourself amongst all the fear and hysteria that may exist about um, about the, the time that we're in now with the pandemic. So, I, you know, I, so I think like we're, you're seeing communities kind of activate, you're seeing uh, 
individuals and families get out and be present in the in the physical and even the fitness piece and and so um i know for us um as an organization we're 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 actively thinking and and projecting into the wellness piece and how do we make sure that we're showing up for the for the young men and boys that that we're um, serving yeah thank you i i um if we were to say you know all the things you've learned um you were to make recommendations for other organizations on how to navigate this space what would it be mm-hmm. uh, it's a good question i think um what is the genius of the local community and how do you um how do you surface that and bring that alive in, in a way that is providing agency to the to the young men and boys that they're serving i think a lot of the folks that that, that are in uh partnership with, with with forward promise are are doing a lot of the work and the and and i you know i would i would urge partners to 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 stay into the frame of not in not I would urge partners to not succumb to the victim type of paradigm, but to operate out of what is the genius of the community and what is the genius of the individual that can be surfaced in this time. And um, and I think like you know you know there's um, the one thing one of the things that I've learned from folks on your team, Dr. Stevenson, is is like how do you how do you some as sometimes at some point step out of the way of of the boys and young men. Mm-hmm. a way that is like um, allowing them to blossom and flourish in their own power and so i i would um as as somebody who benefited some from that same type of advice i would i'd want to reflect that to to folks who are in the work team mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful advice you know when we were starting for a promise um i had the misconception because of understanding the different communities of color and their particular needs that that for Native Americans land was so important and that it was unique to Native American communities. But the more I started rereading history and listening to you and others and our, among our grantees that we've all been beset by the, the, the stealing of land and our hearts and our minds and our souls connected to those lands. And I think I just had you know, you know, just angry at my own miseducation at not mm-hmm. not seeing those larger connections, um, and and hearing you and others talk about it just just helped to remind and revive us to to not give up on fighting for that as well, and mm-hmm. because it's part of our history, part of our culture, part of our soul. Um, I have been uh, talking, listening to you. I, my soul feels uh, peaceful just listening to you, even through this crisis. You shared with us, um, and thank you so much for coming. And talking. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the time, Dr. Stevens, and I appreciated it. And uh, if there's anything I can do, definitely reach out and let me know if there's, there's, yeah, if I can be of service. Beautiful man. Thank you, dude. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Heal, Grow, Thrive, the podcast. We hope these conversations prompt a deeper commitment to action in the field and in philanthropy to create a society that is fair and equitable for all. For more information about Forward Promise, visit forwardpromise.org or follow us on social media. We're simply Forward Promise on Facebook and at forward underscore promise on Twitter and Instagram.